Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 106.1. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King. The Sports King on Sports 1061. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Ben Maylin, producer extraordinaire. Good morning, world. Sun is coming up. Skies are blue. This thing's going to turn around, folks, and we're going to help you get there because guess what? I went through the many stages, and in a few minutes, we're going to have our special guest in hour one, Kristen Meekoff who, by the way, was on CNN this morning, did a fantastic job. But she went from CNN now to the Sports King. So you talk about elevated in terms of appearance. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, she's appeared in Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, The Shriver Report, The Elephant Journal, Psychology Today. She is an honored uh, person in the entire community in terms of all the things she does. Um, She's got a book. We'll talk about that. She's a life coach, a licensed master, social worker, uh, she's done it all. She's going to talk to us about uh, how to deal with the anxiety of the situation and how to help us get through. And we're going to ask her on a personal level how to get through this sports drought, which is uh, really important to Ben and I and all of you out there listening in Sports King Nation. want to thank all of you in Sports King Nation, uh, those of you London, England listening now, those of you Puerto Rico listening now. Hello, Puerto Rico. Good morning. Uh, all the folks out there that are listening coast to coast. We appreciate you, as you know. And I want to say hello to a few people in particular. A good friend of the show is Brian Ronquist. Uh, worked with Brian years ago. He owns Metalworks Graphics in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Does an amazing job. And, uh, of course, Metalworks is kind of a play on words because the guy is a thrasher on the guitar, man. He's a he's an axe player extraordinaire. The guy loves the music industry, and he's great at what he does. And uh, we appreciate Brian and his listenership. Uh, hope things are going well for him. And uh, he told me something yesterday, Ben, uh, <laughs> as you're hitting the Lysol. Thank you, Ben. Uh, the fact that he was worried about, uh, he knows a lot of roadies in the industry, of all like uh, some of the top bands out there. Brian's very well connected. And he knows a lot of the band members, a lot of the roadies, and he's worried about those folks on the lower levels because they don't have the income to protect them. And we were talking about that, but a uh, very smart guy and uh, wish him the best. Also, want to thank 
Melanie Miller. Yes, Melanie Miller. Playbook Marketing down in Orlando, Florida. Hello, Melanie Miller. You know Melanie's husband's name, by the way, in Orlando, Florida? How about this? Steve Miller. Steve Miller? Steve Miller Band? Ain't Gonna Jet. You know the song? He's got so many. There are a lot. You'd have to... <laughs> Ain't gonna jet an airliner. Uh, well, that's close. Carry me too far away. You start no. singing, I'd think we lose. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we lose a little bit. Why do you do that? <laughs> See, I'm gonna talk to... Uh, Kristen Meekoff in a few minutes about the anxiety I have when you put me down and see what she can do to get me through that. But anyway, I want to thank all of you for listening uh, coast to coast on the Sports King Show. In the show today, of course, Kristen Meekoff starts us off. Hour two, we're going to have Bart Oates, a three-time world champion from the New York football giants. Can't wait for that. But uh, we've got a lot to get to, and uh, we want to go out to the phone lines and welcome to the show. Making her Sports King Show debut uh, just off her CNN appearance this morning, Kristen Meekoff joins us on the Sports King. Welcome, Kristen. Hello from Michigan. Thank you so much. I'm very honored that hey, you have me. We are honored to have you, and uh, great job this morning on CNN, and thank you for joining us now. Uh, just asking in general, I know you're getting inundated with requests in terms of how folks can deal with the pandemic and uh the crisis that everybody's dealing with. And I know that uh, you've got some coping mechanisms. What's your best advice for folks that are stuck inside and uh, life has changed for so many people? What's the best advice you're giving these days? Um, be very clear about what we can control. And one of the things that we can control are our thoughts and thinking negative and jumping to conclusions is going to really, um, I feel going to hurt your inner life and as far as you're going to start to ruminate on things that may or may not be true. And you're also going to feel your mood um, deflate as well because you're imagining the worst case scenario happening to you or your family. So it's very important to monitor how much information you're taking in. And if you find yourself engaging in conversations with have a negative tone to quickly get yourself back on track, by either um, you know, opting out of the conversation or limiting the amount of social media that you're engaging with or just um, simply you know, turning off um, the noise, so to speak, so that you do have time to actually think and to clear your head and not be um, swept up in this um, frenzy of negative you know, uh, media, so to speak. It's funny you said because I've I've done motivational speaking and I do positive thinking throughout and it's one of those things where I always look at the positives I, and it's just the way I've always been and some people I understand have serious anxiety and I used to have it years ago in terms of worrying about this and worry about and then I got to the point where I was like you know you control what you control what you can't you can't and you have to move through it and you develop coping mechanisms what do you recommend for folks really struggling with the day to day you know being cooped up and you know fearing the worst uh, how how can they cope day to day to get through these uh, impending times? You know, what I recommend is you set three small goals for yourself of something that you can do well. So if one of the goals is to reply to a particular email or it's to reach out on the telephone to somebody or it's to text somebody or maybe it's to read a chapter in a book or listen to a podcast that's uplifting. Give yourself three things that you know you can do well because you, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for success and you're setting up yourself for a win. And when you have a win, when you've accomplished something, you feel good. And that's a positive emotion that can carry you throughout the day and even to the next day. 
and a series of wins are going to make you feel as if you are still able to do something very well and you get a really great feeling, as I said, of that accomplishment of crossing the finish line. What are you facing in terms of uh, folks you deal with and are talking with every day? What are some of the things that uh, you're getting requested in terms of, is it mostly coping aspects or is it other things in regard to just daily life and trying to get through something we've never been through before? It's, it's both to answer your question. So many times, um, because as you said, we, we haven't been through this before, so there's not a frame of reference. We can't say, well, in the past I did X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to try that again, or, you know, this worked particularly well, I'm going to reach out to this person. And so what's happened when there is not a clear plan, you feel like you're doing guesswork. So it's important to be able to take charge of what you can. And one of the things you can take charge of is what the CDC recommends is hand washing. Um, they have been very clear that that helps to protect yourself. You can take charge of healthy eating. You can take charge of the way that you react to people. You can take charge in some situations um, of social distancing. I mean, if you have small children in your home, you know, that's completely different, but I'm talking about in in general when for example you have to go to the market um, that's something that you can control the social distancing so knowing that you can control something gives you a sense of empowerment and also if you do make a mistake because we're all in a stressful time showing yourself some compassion because you know that uh, under different circumstances you may not have reacted this way but feeding yourself up and having a strong inner critic at this time isn't going to help anyone and it's going to um really cause you some, uh, you know, some more anxiety. And that's when sometimes, you know, self-doubt comes in and other things that aren't so positive. And our special guest, Kristen Meekoff, of course, uh, she does a great job. She's a licensed master uh, uh, social worker. She's done so much in uh, helping so many people. Uh, she's an author. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, she's from the Michigan area and uh, her husband, uh, when she was 33, her husband, a teacher and a veteran of four years, was diagnosed with advanced adrenal cancer. And sadly, approximately eight weeks later, he passed away. Um, and our condolences to you and your family. And I know having lost close family members, uh, the tragedy of that and the shock of that. But what I am most impressed about by you is the fact that in your grief and the things you've done to help others, uh, the fact that I know it's probably been very cathartic to you to see how much joy you've brought to others and the fact you've helped so many people. And I know that's a big part of what you do every day. And uh, I know that has really been something that you take a lot of pride in. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, you know, it was my, uh, ironically, it was, I spoke up about gratitude this morning on CNN, and ironically, it was my husband who um, taught me to do a gratitude journal. And, you know, this is long before cell phones were smartphones, and, you know, you used it to take pictures and other things. So um, he in encouraged me, it was actually a year before we were married, to start to do a gratitude journal and to list five things every day. And we held each other accountable via email. And when he was sick in the hospital, and we realized that there was not a uh, treatment available for him. He encouraged me right then and there. He said, we need to get back on doing our gratitude journal. And I looked at him. I mean, I, I felt like my entire world had shattered into millions of pieces. And he was very firm about um, beginning resuming a gratitude journal right then and there. And in the hospital, I'll never forget it. He was sitting in a wheelchair and he started to list all of the things 
to be grateful for, such as um, University of Michigan was very good at um, diagnosing the cancer. There's a very form of cancer adrenal. Uh, they were very supportive in getting me uh, the help that I needed to be able to move to palliative care. And then he grabbed my hand and he said, and we also have each other. Wow. And so he is the person that really taught me uh, by example that uh, gratitude is the answer to nearly every question. And um, this morning when they asked me about it, um, I really do take it seriously in the sense that if you can list two or three things a day that are going well, it can help to shift your perspective on this bleak time that so many people are facing. You know, Kristen, thank you so much for that. And I always talk about the attitude of gratitude and the fact that uh, many folks maybe uh, spurned on by you would start a, a um, gratitude journal, as you discussed moments ago, and uh, just write down a few things every day about what you're most grateful for. And, you know, in the hustle and bustle of the world before this, Sometimes, and I'm not saying everybody, but we all have those moments where we just take things for granted. And, you know, I remember before my mom passed away, you know, your mom's there all the time. And then when she's not, it's it's a situation where you're like uh, your whole world turns upside down. You're not used to losing the most uh, important people in your life as you've been experienced uh, in the past. And when you look out every day from the things like uh, the, the crack of the baseball bat or the, the smell of the popcorn at the at the stadium or the uh, the beer man yelling, hey, you get your cold beer, whatever those little things are in everyday life that you just took for granted. And you, the people around you sometimes where you're just in such a hurry that you don't have time to stop and say, Hey, thank you. Hey man, you know what? You mean the world to me. And those little things that you do from a gratitude standpoint, and you know, this also, well, just mean the world to others. And I'm hoping out of this negative that we've all been going through, that we'll all come out of this the other side and appreciate not only each other, but every little thing in our life more and realize that, hey, you know, this is a, a real call to arms as Mike Singletary, the Hall of Fame linebacker, told me from the Chicago Bears. He said, hey, this is something that we can rally behind. And I really feel that way. And I know you do, too, in terms of bringing us closer together as a people. Absolutely. Um, I remember shortly after Kobe Bryant's very tragic um, death was you know, the other members that or people, excuse me, that were on the plane with him, uh, that Katie Couric, who has been very, very kind to me, she's actually the person I wrote the article for, for Medium, The Eight Ways to Manage Anxiety Around the um, Situation with This Virus, that she um, shared an Instagram post um, that, you know, before we were not thankful for things like coming, returning back home safely, we would, you know, go to the market and just assume that you get back home or go to work and assume that you're going to return um, unscathed. And the accident was a huge, huge moment, I think, for collectively everyone to realize that you can't take that for granted. A, a, a simple trip to a, a routine um, sports event turned tragic. Our special guest, Kristen Meekoff, you can follow her at www.kristin, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, Meekoff, M-E-E-K-H-O-F.com. And Kristen, tell the folks where they can pick up your book, the name of it, and uh, a little bit more about it. Oh, sure. Thank you for mentioning it. It's called A Widow's Guide to Healing, and I went around and interviewed over 100 different widows and put their stories together. And you don't have to read the chapters in order. Um you can just go, for example, there's a chapter on solo parenting, there's a chapter 
if there's you have legal issues, there's a chapter on relationship issues, and there's little vignettes from people, and then there's practical advice from experts who can really help you get through whatever particular issue that you find yourself coping with. Um, not only widows are buying it, but people who take care of widows and love of widows, sisters, mothers, um, children of widows. And so it's on Amazon, a widow's guide to healing. And I know that we're practicing social distancing. So I guess that's probably the safest way is online with Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, it's online Walmart and Target as well. And once things clear up, it's also um, in the bookstores too. So I don't want to encourage people to go out right now, but online is probably the best option. Thank you so much for that. And definitely a widow's guide to healing. Definitely a great read. You want to get that and take a look at all the info in there. Um, on a personal note for me, I just had some uh, expert advice I need from you. My producer, Ben, when I sing, he, he looks away and I feel, um, yes, we're social distanced in here, but at the same time, when he puts me down and doesn't uh, appreciate the fine music that I put out over these airways, what do I do, Kristen? How can I handle that? Oh, you mean the Steve Miller thing that you started <laughs> No, with? he teases me. He says I can't sing. I mean, what do I do? My feelings are hurt. Is there anything oh. I can do? Can, can you give me some free time maybe on the phone after the show so I can get some counseling with you? Because he's putting me down in my uh, my singing voice and saying I don't have it. So I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated. And it's affecting your, it's affecting your self-esteem? Yes, to the my point psyche. you feeling coping mechanisms? Exactly. I need some coping. Thank you, Chris. I need some coping mechanisms. But, uh, <laughs> that sounds pretty serious. I mean, is like like an intervention that's needed too? Or do you feel Chris, that? Yeah, you're able to just maybe with one session. You know what? You know what, Kristen? Hey, we can get you on retainer because I think I need you here uh, because uh, this is getting serious for me. So I'll have you on the hotline here. We can get talking to Ben after the show. But listen, on another subject area that's important to Ben, myself, okay. <laughs> another area is important to Ben and myself and all the sports fans listening out there. We are day eight now, and I know it's a small part of the world, but to us it means a lot, the sports world. How do you recommend the sports fans out there that uh, you know look to sports every day, the sports page, the sports news, the, the crack of the bat, baseball, football, all the news we want to have? How do you think we should deal with those type things? When you miss something that you love so much, uh, what would you recommend for us? Well, I mean, that's really interesting because you don't probably until this, you know, happened because it hasn't happened before um, that it's, it's a collective, you know, feeling that as a, as a unit, you're missing your team. So I would encourage you to find your favorite person, um, whether it's a commentator or the sports um, player themselves and to follow them. People are very open right now on Instagram, social media, Twitter, and follow their journey. So see how they're coping because I think it's really interesting when um, they're unable to, you know, participate in the Big Ten or whatever it is that you're you're looking forward to opening day for baseball, and and just notice um, what they're doing because I think that's a way to follow the journey through their personal lens um, by following them on social media. Well, listen, Kristen, we can't thank you enough for joining us. I know you've had a busy morning on CNN, and then you jump on with us, and we know you got a lot more coming your way. We would love to keep the line open with you and have you back anytime as this goes on. Hopefully, it'll be done sooner rather than later, but we definitely thank all of your insight into this and uh, a very serious topic, and thank you for giving us some healing mechanisms and some ways to look at this and try to approach this and deal with it. Well, thank you so very much. I'm honored, and good luck coping with your, uh, is it Ben, you said? Ben, yes, my producer, my great producer, Ben. Yeah, that tension there? But, Kristen, the sad part for me is he, he, I start singing, and he'll look away. And when he looks away and doesn't even look at me while I'm performing, whether it be comedy or singing, and he looks away, and 
he looks like he doesn't want to hear it, and that's what really is hurtful. So I'm trying, Chris. Well, that's left a mark, clearly. It has, I and I need to talk to Chris. See, maybe she'll put me on retainer, Ben, so afterwards I can go and lay on the couch and call <laughs> her, and she can help guide me well, through this. I don't this. do that. I do coaching. I don't do analytics style, so I'd have to refer out for that. But if you just want to have a brief consult, we could arrange something. Okay, we'll do that. Plus, maybe we can get her to fly in here. I'll get a couch over there in the other room, in the meeting room, sit down, and maybe have some of my feelings come out about this because Ben, you're hurtful to me sometimes. I'm just telling you. What's the song? We can work it out. That's the start. It's a start. start When you tell somebody directly. I just did. Kristen, thank you for letting me bring that out. I appreciate it. (laughs) Listen, you have a great day. Thanks for joining us today. Okay. Take care. Kristen Meekoff, author of A Widow's Guide to Healing, a great book. And uh, as uh, she talked about being a widow and uh, working with other widows, and uh, she has some great insight. And as I said, she was on CNN this morning, did a great job. And now on the Sports King, and we really appreciate her. We're going to take a time out, come back. We've got a lot more. Bart Oates of the New York Giants is going to join us in hour two. Of course, the three-time Super Bowl champion of the New York Football Giants. We've got a lot more to cover in terms of comings and goings in the NFL. And maybe during the break, Ben will give a second thought about my singing. Fly like an eagle, Jamie. Fly like an eagle. Steve Miller, listening down in Florida. Hats off to you, Melanie and Steve. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. Hey, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to The Sports King with Jamie King. Less is more, right? Well, not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're moving lives forward by extending the warranty on every new car from 5 years and 60,000 miles to 7 years and 100,000 miles. Our mission is to always give our customers more. That's why we have seven Honda Master technicians and offer a free car wash with every service visit. And now, we will even bring test drives to you because we know that your busy schedules make it difficult to stop in the dealership. Another thing we're extremely proud of is our commitment to the community. From local hero discounts to childhood cancer programs to sponsoring Boy Scout troops. The people truly make us who we are and we are proud to give back to the ones that give so much to us. So worry less and smile more. Only at CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was. And he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 106.1. And I can't do Tuesdays, but I can do Thursdays. Welcome back, everybody. Coast to coast around the world. Listen to the Sports King on Sports 1061 alongside Ben Maitland, who has been hurting my feelings by not listening to my music. But hey, everybody, everybody out there appreciates good music, Ben. Good singing. Kristen Meekoff, we can't thank you enough for joining us. And I feel better after talking with her, man. I feel like a little bit more weight lifted off my shoulders. What about you, Mike? It was good to get a different perspective. Yes. I'm glad you were able to find her and, and have her come on this morning. Uh, especially in the wake of her appearance on CNN, which I'm sure was seen by quite a few watchers. Out not there as many the as the Sports King, but close. maybe not quite as many. Yeah. Close, but uh, like I said, a, a good to get a different, a different look at things. You know, we're so focused on what's um, what's not happening as far as the the sports landscape and it being empty. I, as I referenced earlier, if you caught the tail end of uh, Sports Phone with Big Al today, would have been the start of the tournament, right? You know, at, at twelve or a little after uh, twelve Ugh. o'clock this afternoon. So, you know that uh, 
not not having that today it's it's sunk in a little bit more this morning you know that right. we that you know i can't leave work here and go to uh go to the the bar and and have a, a couple of beers and watch the first few games right so um but it, it i'm i was comforted listening to her she sounded like uh you know, she she certainly knows what she's talking about when dealing with um, anxiety in, in a difficult time like this. So yeah, she, I mean, she's been through some tough times herself. And yeah. what I'm most impressed about was <clears throat> with her being a widow and helping other widows and, and uh, what she's gone through with her husband to then turn it into such a positive, help so many other people and uh, do such an amazing job that she does. That's very impressive to me. And uh, she wants to help people get through this, as do we here on the Sports King Show. And just remember, you know, I have gone through the many phases. We talked about it yesterday, Ben. You know, first it was like, okay, irritated, then upset, frustrated. And as the days pass, you just say to yourself, man, uh, no matter what, I mean, you almost get pissed off because you're like, this has never happened and we've never experienced this and we're going to beat this. We're going to get through it. And uh, I heard the president yesterday in one of the press conferences said, hey, folks, we're going to win. And so I don't care whoever the president is and whatever uh, uh, party you're from, for somebody to just stand up and say, we're going to win, we're going to beat it. I mean, it just makes me feel good. And uh, no matter who's at the top, to to say that made me feel better about things because we are going to win. We are going to beat this. We're going to return to normal. But I think in talking uh, to Kristen, uh, one thing that I took away from that is that uh, journal, maybe that uh, gratitude journal where you can write something down every day you're really thankful for. And... Um, or multiple things, because the little things sometimes, Ben, get lost when you have uh, no time to really think about it. And now we have time to think about it and appreciate. I mean, and I've always been somebody, you know, I was raised, whether it was a person that uh, served the food at the cafeteria to the person that's a school resource officer to the people that, uh, you know, I know the people that, uh, you know, deliver the mail to pick up your trash to always... I'm always trying to be kind and I want other people to do the same. And, and a lot of people are in terms of just appreciating those little folks uh, in other areas that you don't always look at and say, hey, what about their role? What about man without them from a team standpoint? I've always felt this way when I coach the same way. The person taking the tickets is vitally important as a person running the football or throwing the football. And if you have any other mentality and don't appreciate the sum of everyone, then you forget and lose sight of everything. And that's why I appreciate the J.J. Watts of the world and the guys that are stepping up uh, uh, in helping to pay for uh, the folks that take the tickets and serve the beer and uh, answer the phones and all those jobs that often get overlooked, but they're so vital to success. And when these athletes step up and say, I'm going to pay their salary and uh, like Zion Williamson, what an amazing thing for a rookie of 19 years old, Ben, to step up and say, I'm going to pay for the, yeah, and this guy's only been in it this year. So for him to step up as a rookie and say, I'm going to pay for the people that uh, do all the work around here that goes unnoticed to make sure they have uh, food and they have their lights on and just shows me what a heart this guy has. And I'm a fan of his. Um, I always liked his game, but I'm even a bigger fan of him as a, as a human being. And you look at his family, the way he was raised, uh, he and J.J. Watt and all the other guys that are stepping forward and doing these type of things. It really gives you such... A happiness and inner peace that so you're like man these are good guys and that's why you know ben we're big fans i know you have the mass the nascar fan guys that you're fans of and um your baseball teams and all that but when you look at guys behind the scenes and i'll tell you a quick story my mom uh years ago on her 80th birthday and i, t I tell this story to everybody but uh cal ripkin who i got to know uh cal ripkin jr um i asked if he would send my mom um you know, a picture maybe on her birthday. And do you know he sent a detailed letter 
And it basically said, hey, June, on your 80th birthday from somebody that really knows something about milestones. I mean, it was just something that was so above and beyond in terms of what he went to the lengths of that letter. It meant so much to me. She practically cried her eyes. She was so happy to get that. And I told him how happy she made uh, he made her and he said, I didn't mean to make her cry. I said, no, Cal, you don't understand what you did. He was always, we held him the highest esteem always. But when he did that, went even higher because he could have just stamped it, a picture and said, happy birthday, Cal. He didn't do that. But there's guys like that. And you hear about the Garth Brooks of the world and people like that to stay after for hours upon hours just to sign an autograph and to treat somebody well. And sometimes athletes and other entertainers and so forth, the ones that don't want to sign the autographs and take the time to shake a hand or, and I know you can't do that right now, but I mean, in general, in, in the times before those little things mean the world. And some people, they say they always, you always remember how someone makes you feel and the, you always remember how they treated you. And, um, it's just a little something to remember when you're having an interaction with somebody, uh, it may be the first and only time they ever meet you. And from an athletic standpoint, they're going to get a you know memory of you, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you remember Jimmy Rogers, the former coach of the Boston Celtics? <laughs> I talked to him one time, and uh, it wasn't a great interaction. I asked him a question. I didn't have my tape recorder going. And he looked at me and basically said, what am I talking to you for, kind of? And I was like, wow, you know, was, <laughs> that went off the rails pretty quick. And I thought to myself, didn't have to go there. Just a, just a question, and I apologize, I didn't have my tape recorder going, but um, little things and little things you do, people never forget how you treat them, so always be kind to folks. And this is one thing I know, Ben, uh, you always treat people well, and I know that um, it's just uh, the little things that really mean the world to people. So now, especially when we're in closed confines, take the time to talk to the people around you, tell them how much they mean to you. I mean, it doesn't cost anything, but it means the world to so many people. And when you see that mailman and you see the people on the garbage truck and you see the people out there that you come in contact daily, give them a, Hey, thank you. Do you need a bottle of water? Can I help you with anything? Just appreciate people because I think this thing more than anything, I hope we walk away from this, uh, with a more sense of gratitude, just entirely different than what we had before. And that's my hope for this whole deal. Moving on to football news. We know that the Detroit Lions have traded uh, star cornerback Darius Slade to the Philadelphia Eagles per Adam Schefter. Detroit will receive a third round pick number 85 and a fifth round pick number 166 in the trade, according to Schefter. After the deal, the Eagles and Slade reach an agreement ban on a three-year $50 million extension. That includes $30 million guarantee. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, told yes, Ben, every time I talk about a big deal, Drew Rosenhaus is attached to it. He is racking up some major, major dollars for his organization and doing a great job for his guys. You did have something before we went to break. You mentioned about, um, we're talking about the possibility of Jameis Winston going elsewhere. And they say the Steelers might be the place he goes. But you mentioned something that was so unique, and I heard it earlier on the sports phone with Big Al from uh, 8 to 10, about his career that a lot of people may not know, and uh, go ahead and tell them that. Yeah, in case you missed it, this is not a good thing. <laughs> um, I'll preface that by saying, or preface this by saying this is not good, not if you're Jameis. Um, looks like, yeah, he is destined for a different organization than the one that drafted him and the one that he's played for the last, what, five, four or five years in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this was from Elias sports bureau um assuming that Jameis will be on a different team and it looks like he will he would be only he would be the only quarterback over the last 40 seasons to have his first and last pass attempt with a franchise be a pick six and I went back and vetted it I looked back at his at the very first game that he 
would have ever played in. I think it was in Tennessee. I know it was against the Titans. Pretty sure it was in Tennessee. Uh, and it was a pick six, his first pass attempt in, wow. in the sport. Um, it was a pick six. And then if you flash back to the end of the season last year against the, I believe it was the Falcons, that ended the game a pick six uh, by, by Jameis. So I don't know where he's going to end up and, and be destined for to uh, or be destined to end up, we saw the Steelers referenced a little while ago. I think it was uh, was Dan Orlovsky was speculating it that maybe Pittsburgh is the landing spot. I couldn't venture a guess right now. I know there's, I'm sure there's some teams who might need a backup because right now that's I don't see him being any more than that. You know, as bad as it sounds. Yeah, so. like I say, you know, I coached not at the NFL level, but I'm just looking at this from a pure talent standpoint. As a coach and an evaluator, I look at this guy and I say, okay, what do I have with Jameis Winston? I've got a guy. If I'm talking to my staff, I say, we've got a guy. Is he a serviceable guy? Yeah. Is he a guy that could win some? Maybe. Yeah. Is he a guy that could lose some? Definitely. Is he a guy that's uneven? Definitely. Is he a guy that throws a lot of picks? Definitely. Is he a guy that doesn't protect the ball? Definitely. So when you look at him in terms of what you're getting, good Jameis, bad Jameis, for me as an organization paying money, I want a backup that's quality. This guy to me, he's eh, eh. I don't know. I mean, you see what's, you see flashes. You see the 30 plus 30 touchdowns or north of 30 touchdowns, but then you see the 30 interceptions. And then you see the, what was it, over 5,000 yards? Believe yes. Pass for. You see the again the flashes of man. He you know might be something there if someone can work with him. I just don't know who takes that that risk or that. That's what I'm saying. You just said it. Is it. the risk worth the reward so, when you look this at is this a, guy? A number one overall pick. You want to? I mean, talk about how far guys have fallen. He and Marcus Mariota, the first two selections yeah. in that 2015 draft, now no longer with the teams that took him. And all. I mean, right. Mariota's out to the Raiders, and Jameis is probably going to end up somewhere else. And there's been some rumors, um, you know about Jameis in terms of is he prepared enough to perform at a high level? Is it preparation? Is it uh, reading defenses properly? What is the problem? The former number one pick and the guy is really just an average player. And as Ben said, is the risk worth the reward? Do I want this guy as a backup to maybe fill in? But if he fills in, it's like Forrest Gump in a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get game the game with this guy. And for me, as a coach, I say, no, I'm not going to take that risk. I want a guy that has a little bit more uh, solid aspect to him in terms of what he brings to the table, and he just doesn't do it for me. I do know this, Ben, is the Tom Brady saga continues in Tampa. They are trying to hammer out the details of the contract with the Buccaneers. A number of players, Ben, are reaching out to Tampa Bay to say, hey, I'd like to join that band. I'd like to play with those guys. And now... Uh, I guarantee you there's going to be some key landing spot issues for the Buccaneers in terms of guys from the outside coming in because Brady's expected to undergo a physical on Thursday. And according to uh, Jeff Darlington, if it goes well, uh, I can tell you a lot of folks are going to say, hey, if I go there, I could be that piece. And we talked about it. Do you add an Antonio Brown, which we know he and Brady have a connection? Do you add a Melvin Gordon? I mean, this team, which we talked about uh, yesterday on the Sports King Show, that didn't have a lot of pieces, had some, Mike Evans being one of them, the biggest piece they have. Now you're looking at a situation where 
if you add this, this, and this with a solid defense, as you said, they won with a guy that threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. I know Bruce Arians is saying, what can we do if we have a guy that protects the football and add a few more pieces around him? Yeah, Maybe a, we've got a shot to win this thing. It was a 7-9 and nine team with north of 30 touchdowns and, and, and 30 picks. So, and... Yeah, it's already been referenced a ton. We've referenced it a ton here on this show. Was it seven seven overall pick sixes last year? Yep. So, just taking care of the ball and looking at it from that standpoint, you know, that I mean that would <laughs> that would be a boon. I mean, not only to the Buccaneers but any team who has gone through something like that to get uh, to bring a Tom Brady or a t- that that type of guy in, you feel confident. That the that the ball is at least going to be taken care of. You know, he Tom only threw what eight, I think, overall last year. is is not known for turning the ball over. So, uh, albeit aside from how the, the Tennessee game ended with a pick six in his own right, but um, you know that being said, he takes care of the football, and that's what you're looking for if you're Bruce. So, I think they they do have again some some things to work with. I think it could go well. I think it could be. It's it again. I referenced the schedule yesterday. It's. It's a schedule that that does have you know some some landmines. I feel like that in there here and there playing the Packers, the Chiefs of the world, um, the teams in their division. You know, you're playing the Saints twice during the course of the year. I think they could get up maybe to that double digit win total though. I agree. And in that division, they have a chance if they add a few more pieces. Uh, one thing we would we did want to comment on is the billboard about one mile north of Gillette Stadium this morning in New England said. The big picture of Brady said, thank you, Tom, the greatest of all time with love, the Kraft family and the New England Patriots. Very classy move. Uh, Not so classy letting him go. I I just still think that it came down to Belichick saying his best time has passed and let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Just one of those things that uh, he wanted to basically say, I want to bring my own guy in here and I'll do it myself and don't need TB12 anymore. So he's off to Tampa and looking for bigger and better things there. So, we're going to take a timeout. We've got a lot more show coming up. We've got Bart Oates, a three-time Super Bowl champion from New York Giants. We're going to talk about some more comings and goings. The Cam Newton saga continues. Will he end up possibly in Washington? And a lot more. We'll take your phone calls. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Beninati. You're listening to the Sports King, Jamie King on Sports 1061. Less is more, right? Well, Not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're extending the warranty on every new car from 5 years, 60,000 miles to 7 years and 100,000 miles. Don't forget, we also have seven Honda Master Technicians, a community outreach program, free car washes with each service, and many other benefits. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everyone, to the Sports King on Sports 1061. Thank you for joining us wherever you're listening to us today. And, folks, we're one step closer to being out of this mess. Don't know when, but it's coming. I promise you that it's coming. We're going to get through it. We're getting through it together. My man, Ben Maitland, in his Atlanta Braves hat. He believes it. I believe it. You need to believe it. Know it. Live it. Learn it. We're going to get through this. 
Man, I can't get over the Steve Miller band. Thinking about Melanie and her husband, Steve Miller. Uh, so many great songs. Did you know Steve Miller? I know he's before your time. Abracadabra. Remember that album? That was a great one. Uh, the album itself, not particularly, um, without looking at it, but the song, yes. Um, Gangster of Love? Yeah, the Joker. Space Cowboy? I'm a Fly Joker. Like an eagle, man. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight. Remember that? I not do. quite like that, though. He, um, I don't know if it's been changed or altered or, or anything like that as far as uh, scheduling is concerned, concerts, things like that. He was supposed to come through here through Richmond this year. Really? Yeah. Do you so. know Steve Miller, and you're listening to Sports King, by the <clears> way. <throat> Steve Miller, 76 years young. I did not know that. Wow. Yep. It's, uh, it might not, I don't think it's been altered yet. Uh, I don't believe it has. This show is, was supposed to be all the way in August, August 12th to be exact. Steve Miller Band and Marty Stewart. Really? Yeah, at Innsbruck After Hours. So, uh, of course, that concert venue is here in town and well-known, certainly. I've been over there a ton, whether it be in a work capacity or going to shows um, as a fan. Uh, I've been over there a bunch, and they are, at the moment, they're still on the docket for uh, – for August 12th. I hope, again, everything's cleared up by then and, and that show can can go on as scheduled. Um, I've not seen anything as far as a postponement or, or cancellation or anything like that, so I will preface it by saying that. That'd be a good one to go to. Steve Miller Band and Marty Stewart and the Fabulous Superlatives. Wow. There you go. How about that? Steve Miller uh, lived on a 420-acre ranch in rural southwestern Oregon in the hamlet of Williams. Um uh, He's been married four times, divorced three times. He's well, currently married to his fourth <laughs> wife. So um, he's had some uh, ups and downs, but he's still going strong at 76. That's where the music comes from, man. Yeah. Divorces. If they say you get music from your experiences, he's got plenty he's of got experiences. Plenty. Exactly. So, anyway. Speaking of experiences, I, I've got to say this. Uh, you know, before my show, Sports King, heard nationally, internationally, 10 to 12 Every day, Monday through Friday, without fail. Before my show, it's, of course, Sports Phone with Big Al. Do you know the origin of Big Al, by the way? Uh, no, I haven't read that comic. I don't know what his origin story is. You don't? No. We'll have to ask him. <laughs> is it because he he's has tall? He's not that big. I mean, he's tall. <laughs> um, he's a tall guy. Yeah, well, actually, he's from, kind of a big guy. I mean, you know yeah, what I'm he's saying? He's a big dude. Big, big guy, you know, but... Did not know a few historical facts about Al, a stockbroker. I mean, the guy is a numbers guy. That he is. A sports guy, a numbers guy. Do you know, I listened to Al so many years ago. You were a kid, right? When I was a young man. Yeah, when I was just coming up. A wee lad. Al is a Richmond lad. He always hates when I say that. But this guy, and you talk about being grateful for folks, this guy always has a positive outlook. He's always been a bright spot. And he has done no, not so much. <laughs> no, he's been sitting here frowning. Now I'm just like on the positive side of life. Sometimes, you, but you got to deal with them all the time. See, but anyway, uh, sports phone, uh, of course, eight to ten, the new time slot for Al. But the one thing about him is is so popular among the local group here in Richmond, and so many people I hear all the time talking about. Uh, you know, I heard on the Big Al show he did this, he did that, and uh, unique perspective, and he. Of course, uh, he's close with Coach Gibbs. He did a lot of things back with the Redskins, has a great historical knowledge of things. And it, it's so fun to hear him uh, reminisce and talk about uh, some of the great times. And uh, he continues to bring enthusiasm every day. And 
very much uh, excited, and he is as optimistic and positive as all of us. He knows we're going to get through this. We're going to keep uh, moving forward, and I know uh, Al uh, has a passion uh, for sports and uh, really enjoys it. Of course, he used to have Big Al's uh, restaurant. We love that place. Uh, had me over there. Um, <laughs> you think he'd pick up a tab once in a while, huh? Never. Come on, what's up, Al? Negative. What's going? No, he did. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But no, he always, one thing about him, he used to go uh, person to person, shake hands and uh, meet everybody in there. And he's just that kind of person. And we're so grateful to have him here. See, that's my attitude of gratitude and uh, appreciate Big Al. Now you can say something nice about Big Al. I'm not paying you to say this. This is from your heart now. You've, uh, you've said enough. <laughs> okay. You need that therapy session <laughs> with yeah, really. Kristen Meekoff, our first guest this hour from Earlier today, she was on CNN, then she uh, just joined us for the Sports King Show in Hour 1. Coming up, we've got... Uh, just a bit outside. Yes, it was. But anyway, I know regardless of how you're looking, there is a deep love for Big Al somewhere in that uh, heart of yours. I just know it. Yeah, no, we, we have fun on the on the show in the morning. It's, uh, you know, we'll, we, I don't know where it's going to go some days, but we always get to the destination. Absolutely. So Unlike Tony Romo. Well... <laughs> That's true, to a degree. But he's he's very well compensated. Um, One thing about Big Al, kind of confused me this morning on the way in. I understand we were talking about Vernon Dean, and then you went to uh, we clarified Vernon Jordan. Yeah, then you went to Jordan yeah, Reed. Vernon Davis. Uh, you went to Vernon Davis. There were some Vernons and Jordans thrown around. Did you go to James Dean? No, we didn't make it. Jimmy all the way. Dean, the Sausage no. King. Nope, no, none of the Dean boys. But Al was bouncing so. around. He had me a little worried there for a minute, but he finally pulled it we, in we and got, got it together. Yeah. Vernon Deed, I think, was somebody in the Clinton administration. Maybe he was. We a, tried to ferret that out. I think Jimmy Carter was referenced too. But uh, now the the whole gist was, um, as you might have heard this morning, the Redskins picking up picking up a tight end and trying to fill that void. So, uh, and I mean, it's a local guy too. Went to Virginia Tech, of course, was a Virginia Tech quarterback. That being Logan Thomas. Uh, was drafted a handful of years back, and like I said earlier, had bounced around some, but fills, you know, at least uh, at least the tight end role for the moment. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I last I checked, they were also looking at Delaney Walker as a possibility to uh, to bring in to to Washington. So, yeah, the, uh, we'll see. Logan Thomas, uh, good quarterback, a big guy, good blocker, can catch the pass occasionally. I, you know, not a really didn't set the world uh, superior on fire with guy the, the in terms of year. what he's going to bring to the table, but so. I think he'll be a, a nice piece. Uh, like to add some more pieces. I was really excited about Kendall Fuller, of course, uh, former local product as well, adding uh, to the team. But what are we going to do at number two? Are we going to make the move? We're going to keep what we have. Uh, we're hearing all kinds of things. Do you stay at number two with Chase Young? Do you move out of there and stockpile picks? We don't know right now, but uh, everybody is speculating, and that's one thing about it. Uh, there are so much comings and goings. Of course, we had Drew Brees. Uh, he's sticking around. Uh, Philip Rivers is going to, of course, Indianapolis. $25 million worth of reason why. Uh, the guy is expected to do big things there. But uh, it's exciting. We're going to have a lot of uh, 
a lot of things to talk about uh, over these next 24 hours as things definitely continue heating up in terms of the free agents out there. And the Skins could change your team dramatically through the draft. I know the first round, if they could just package some picks, but if they stay with the one they have, they'll be good too. Um, but the question is a quarterback. we got to get a guy in here. I was wanting Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't think Haskins is a guy right now. He could be down the road, but he's just not ready to take this franchise where it needs to be. That's my personal opinion. Uh, he needs a veteran presence in here but we need a veteran that can win what's your thoughts real quick before we go to break and of course coming up after the break we've got Bart Oates a three-time Super Bowl champ for the New York Giants your thought real quick in our final minute before we go to break uh, Joe Flacco is a name uh, he just left Denver could you see him in Burgundy and Gold potentially uh, possibly I, I think there's a lot of things up in the air I, uh, Cam Newton I think is a name to to uh, to look at potentially I, I didn't think it, it would work Again, a second go around. If you uh, if you factor in the Ron Rivera um, now being at the helm in Washington, I don't know if he wants to go that route again. But with the way things are playing out right now, I'll reference this again um, as I did yesterday. Maybe you want somebody familiar with uh, with the guy and familiar with the system and, and plug and play like that. As for Flacco, I'm not sure. You know what? So. And I'm telling you, when I think about Flacco, you know where he might go because he's not a big flash guy and he's more of a guy that can just get it done and do things by the numbers? You know who he's like, who he probably thrive in the system? Is New England. He would probably do just enough to protect the football and keep things going to make even the hoodie smile. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know what just makes a, him smile, to just be honest. Just a thought. Winning. Yeah. Winning. Even winning sometimes, no. So Well... Uh, it is up for speculation, so will Joe Flacco become a member of the Burgundy and Gold? We're on to the next hour. Yeah, we're on the next hour. Anyway, Bart Oates is coming up next, uh, three-time Super Bowl champ. Don't go away. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. Less is more, right? Well, not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're extending the warranty on every new car from 5 years 60,000 miles to 7 years and 100,000 miles. Don't forget, we also have 7 Honda Master Technicians, a community outreach program, free car washes with each service, and many other benefits. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. The Sports King Studio line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. 
And welcome back, everyone. The Thursday edition of the Sports King on Sports 1061. And I tell you what, our next guest is a guy I've admired a long time. Not so much because of who he played for, the G-Men. But for what he did as a player, this guy, a three-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, he manned the middle as a center for the Giants and uh, wasn't a guy that boasted or bragged, didn't have to. His play spoke volumes. What a great player and, in my opinion, one of the major keys for the Giants' success. Center Bart Oates joins us. Thank you so much, Bart. Welcome to the Sports King Show. Thank you, Jamie. Good to be on. So, thank you so much. Um well, let's go back, and uh, of course, uh, you were in high school, Albany, and uh, college is BYU. Uh, when you started out in terms of high school, when did it start clicking for you where you start saying, you know, maybe uh, I've got a shot at this at the next level? Was it something you saw in your <laughs> high school years, or how did it progress for you? I was just this chubby little kid growing up in southwest Georgia and Albany, Georgia, and I, um, no, I was, I never even made, I made all county my senior year and I never all stayed. So I was just this kid that loved to play football, but wasn't very big. I came out like, I think I was a 220 pound offensive guard, uh, offensive tackle and defensive tackle. And we, our school was a little bitty school. We weren't that big and didn't have a whole lot of success, but I love playing football. When you look, so, at, I say, when you look at your career, then you go to BYU, uh, how did the transition go? You went, as you say, a smaller guy, but then you go to BYU. When did things start really coming together for you where you said not only could I play at the college level but beyond, when did things really start clicking for you? Well, I, my freshman year, I didn't play any varsity. I was on. We had a freshman team. I played on the freshman team. And then um, I took two years off and went on a, a mission, a religious mission for um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think after coming back, I, you know, maturity and, even though I was, I was woefully out of shape, um, having not played football for two years, uh, there was a maturity that uh, resulted from it. And um, I think I just, I was blessed to be in the right place at the right time. I, I came back and won the starting job. And um, I had some, I had a great coaches, uh, coaches that really put me in a position to use my talents and kind of my physical abilities. I wasn't this big road grader. So if you put me into this run, run offense, I would have, I would have never been heard from, but I, we were a passing offense, and I was a I was a, a, a much better than average pass blocker, and so um, I did that pretty good. So I could single up on pretty much anybody and pass block them. So it just gave me a chance to you know to blossom a little bit and what I did well. Of course, you earned a BS in accounting from the Marriott School of Business in 1985, inducted into the BYU Athletic Hall of Fame. Great college career. When you look at that transition, then go to Philadelphia and the Baltimore Stars, 83 to 85, before going to the Giants. It wasn't an easy road for you. What did you learn early on uh, getting to the NFL and before you got there as far as the trials and tribulations of hanging in there and just keep battling? Yeah, I just uh, I think it's enjoy the journey. It's not so much the, you know, the – end of it it's it's the process is is you know there's so much to learn there's so much to grow from there's um you know ways to be able to to improve uh, along the route and um it's that enjoy that process uh as opposed to just saying you know here's my end goal and and that's you know unless i get there it's it's all a failure and and so i think it's just understanding that that principle and and being able to apply it and then and being happy and 
utilizing people around you to uh, help you get there. I mean, I, I could have never done it on my own with coaches, with family, with friends um, that all supported and, and helped put me in a position to to achieve, you know, a you know a very unlikely end result. You said unlikely, and I was going to ask you for our young folks listening out there, maybe aspiring football players that may be undersized or, as you called yourself, a chubby guy from Albany, Georgia. When you look at your career, of course, three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, if I'd have told you back when you were that kid in Albany, hey, you're going to be a Super Bowl champ multiple times, five-time Pro Bowler, uh, it just seemed like such a long road to get there. Would you have ever believed it back then? Well, I wouldn't have laughed, although most other people would have laughed um, because, you know, I think I, I grew up in a very supportive household that uh, that you can do whatever you really want to do uh, as long as you're willing to pay the prices uh, for it. And so, um, I did, did I believe I could have gotten there? No, I just knew I wanted to. I wanted to get to the next level. I knew what I had to do, and it was just you know, then from there. And and I just had, like I said, great coaches. I was very fortunate. I, I was blessed. I mean, I I came out the in the year 1983 after the 82 college season. So the spring of 83 started the USFL and um, I got um, signed and I went to Philadelphia uh, and never even waited for the NFL draft because uh, I knew that I was not going to be a star player in the NFL and that was, it was going to be a long road. And so I had a, a guaranteed three-year contract by the owner, all of total of a hundred thousand dollars a year, which, which was for, for a kid that was an accounting major with the prospect of being an auditor at 20,000 a year was, was pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, so I said, heck, I'm taking that. And, and I was going to, I had plans to go into law school. And so I'm like, I can just take this and this will pay for my law school. And I never, I, cause I knew I, you realistically, I saw the other guys. I knew I wasn't the physical nature that they were. Um, so I said, I'll let me take the money and I'll play for, as long as I can play, and then uh, I'll I'll move on with the rest of my life. And you know, kind of strange things happened along the way. I just I wound up getting to be a pretty good player. Um, I wound up improving, and we did. We happened in Philadelphia. We were it was Jim Mora, and we were just smash mouth football team. And because I had the guaranteed contract, I, I had to play. It was he was <laughs> like, no, you're the only guy that's playing. You're playing. You know, you're, you're we're not cutting you. You got to play. So learn to play this position. So. Um, again, great coach and Jim Merkenbeck, who's this just this gnarly old offensive line coach that just was a just you know he understood and so I you know I was blessed to be in that kind of situation I and it uh, was just very something that allowed me to become a, a, a better player and prove. Our special guest, Bart Oates, the outstanding center for the New York football Giants, former Giants who won three Super Bowls, five-time Pro Bowler. I've got to ask you this. Before I get into your Giant career, I just got to say this. Uh, man, I am impressed by you. When I look at 6'4", 275, you're not 275. And by the way, your pictures, you look outstanding. I don't know what you did on that transformation out of football to where you got back in super uh, great health, but you have done an amazing job on the health front. What did you do in terms of losing the weight and maintaining? Uh, you look outstanding. Well, I always struggle to keep the weight on. So my, my the 14 years I played, I mean – from time I mean, at 14 and 18 years from college to through professional career, I, I was trying to put weight on every year. So every year I just trying to put a few more pounds on. Get it was always I'd come in after the season and 
my uh, line coach, Fred Hogan, go, yeah, you had a pretty good year, but we want you to come back heavier. And so that was, the, that was pretty much the conversation uh, every year was, we want you a little bit heavier. Wow. And uh, it wasn't until my, I remember my last couple of years with San Francisco, it was actually my line coach said, no, I don't want, I don't want heavy guys. I like guys, mobile guys. Uh, Bob McKittrick was this guy that very different. He used angles and one guys with, with speed and agility. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I like that one. That fit me pretty good. When you when you look at your career, of course, the great Phil Sims and the guys you play with, uh, talk about those relationships with your quarterbacks and uh, what they meant to you because you guys have to be on the same page. Uh, what did you enjoy most about those giant QBs? Well, I you know I, I had uh, Phil Sims early in my career, and then later in my Giants career, and and the second Super Bowl was uh, Jeff Hostetler. Both very different uh, guys. Uh, Phil just as tough and and gnarly and just competitive as you get. And then you have Jeff Hostetler come in and guy that had just the perseverance. I mean, he sat on the bench for 12 years, uh, just about about 12 years waiting for a chance. And, and matter of fact, they'd even, he wanted to get on the field so bad that he was actually a gunner on the punt team at, at some point. I mean, wow. he was just that good of an athlete and the guy that wanted to play that bad. Then he got his chance after Phil got hurt and wound up, you know, helping us win a Super Bowl in, in 1990. And so just, Again, just situation that having to be with two very just competitive, excellent quarterbacks. When you look at your career, one thing stood out to me, and a lot of folks don't know, or, or a lot of folks do know, but uh, in your area, but your brother Brad played offensive line in the NFL for six seasons for five different teams. You know how remarkable it is to have two guys, and we talk about the Mannings and so forth, but you and your brother not only have things to talk <laughs> about, but the fact that you have two brothers from the same family, uh, just to have one is remarkable because they'll say when you go to a gym, you know, you'll have coaches say, one guy in this room might make it one day, but then to have two guys from the same family, what an incredible accomplishment for your family. Well, it, it was, it was uh, very fortunate. I had um... – so my my first year when I went to the USFL, Brad was finishing up his NFL career and signed with the same team, the Philadelphia Stars. And so we both played. He was the offensive tackle, and I was the offensive center for two years on the Philadelphia Stars. And we were a very successful team. We um, lost the championship the first year and then won the next two years. Um, so we were one of the more competitive. We were the most competitive team in that league. Um, and so it was just a real I mean, it was just a lot of fun for a kid coming out of college. And, you know, he had been already six years in the NFL. And then, and then you know, being able to have that, uh, have him kind of mentor me. And, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's, here's some of the things, you know, because it's a different season. And you're not playing professionally. You're not playing college. It's, here's some of the consider some things that are a little bit different here. And uh, it was just good to have that, uh, that relationship. Had to be kind of neat to look down the line and see your brother. That's just got to be kind of surreal in a lot of ways. Such an enjoyable. Uh, we, we, had, we had a lot of good experiences. We were playing a game in um, in Arizona. It was Arizona Wranglers, and he um, he comes in. We were playing there in, in Tempe at um, we're at the ASU Stadium, and he comes he comes to me. He's holding his hand. He back to the huddle. He's holding his hand. He's kind of grimacing. And he goes, I go, what, what what's the matter? He you know you have a few seconds, and he goes, I, my finger. I think you know. He shows me his pinky. His pinky has this on his left hand. It's turned out 90 degrees out. Ugh. And he, he had dislocated his pinky. And I, I kind of like, oh, let me see that. And I pull it, and I pull it out real quick, snap it right back into place. He screams like a little girl. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he winds up playing the rest of that series. <laughs> <laughs> 
But he, he was like, he screamed like a little girl in the thing when I pulled it, surprised him. Unbelievable. Right what, in the middle. He just stayed in the huddle and he finished that series. What a great story. Hey, um, Give us a line call, if you would, uh, from one, just any particular call from the Giants, because we know as a center, so many folks, and I coach, so I know, but so many folks don't understand that a center's responsibility, when you get to the line, they'll see the snap and all the touchdown passes and the runs and so forth, but the average fan doesn't understand on the line call side. When you get to the line, could you just give us a little insight into maybe something you would call out in terms of from the time you get over the ball? It all depends on the play. I mean, you asked me to go back 20. 20 years now, but um, it, it really all depends on the play. Um, you know, whether it's a pass play, sometimes you need to, you need to, to, to notify the line, which, which way you see the, the strength of the formation, uh, the defensive formations, um, which way you're going to go. I may have to go Roger. I may have to go Louie, obviously uh, not the uh, rocket science. No, that's right and left. Um, but it's, to say, okay, if I'm going Roger, then the left side knows that they're going to have to do things differently than if I was going to go Louie. And so and that's on a pass play. And on a running play, it may be I, I see an alignment, and then the guy makes an adjustment during the snap, and that's going to cause me to, to then um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go scoop, scoop, as opposed to base. And so if, if we come up there, it's a base call, but then the alignment then requires me to go scoop which would tell my guard that, hey, I'm gonna, we're blocking together on this one as opposed to basing up. And um, so it just requires that recognition, and then you have to – the calls are really so that everybody knows this is what we're going to do on this play. All right? We have different scenarios already set up during the week that we say, all right, here's, here's different ways that, they, that the defensive line and, and the linebackers will adjust themselves. And based upon that, you're going to block. If it's this way, be a base. If it's this way, you're going to scoop it. Um, so there's different line, you know, so the verbiage is, is all, it, it, it'll mean different things to different teams and different, you know, so whatever those coaches have devised and their different line calls, I mean, this is how we're, we're going to work together on this. We're going to go hard and, and move the guy. We're going to single him up. We're going to base call him. And each of those, each of the, uh, uh the verbiage will, will have something different. Nobody did it better than Bart Oates, the center, outstanding center, formerly of the New York Giants, of course, three-time Super Bowl champion. When it came to pass blocking or run blocking, did you have a preference? Well, I was I was the guy with great I had great balance. I had really good hands. I was a much better I was a much better pass blocker. Well, I'll tell you what. That's... I just, I, just, I wasn't a guy that had these big old hips and legs and was a road grader. I was just I never. My dad was a skin. He was a basketball player, so I got, I, I have the body of a basketball player, more of a basketball player than I do a football player. Looking back at your career in the Super Bowl championships, talk about Bill Parcells, what he meant to you as a coach and as a man, and the impact he's had on you long after football. Oh, he was a royal pain in the butt, is what he was. But, didn't uh, expect that, Bart. I didn't expect that. <laughs> You're saying he actually and, got on you once or twice? And oh, uh, once or twice a practice, maybe. <laughs> Um, no, he was, and, and, you know, and I say that lovingly, but he's a guy that, um, I mean, he, he made it clear. This is a, this is business. This is football. My job is to make the best get the best team. And, and if you're the best guy I got, then you're going to play here. If you're not, you're not going to play here. And that was his, you know, and he approached it pretty much that way. And then he had a human side to him. I mean, he was, um, you know, guys that, that were having troubles. I mean, he would, 
and guys that, that he would he would see potential in guys, and and his job was to get the potential out of that guy. And so if it was if it was tough love, oh my gosh, he had no problem. He was a Jersey guy; he could do that tough love. And if it was a guy that you know he needed to kind of put his arm around, uh, he would do that, but more quietly. He wouldn't do it kind of out openly. Um, so he wasn't a guy; he didn't, didn't treat everybody the same. And he was a guy that got, but he was a guy that was able to get the most out of his players. Um, I mean, here's a, here's a coach that went to, and the results speak for themselves. He went to four different teams as a head coach, went there when they were non-playoff teams, took them all to the playoffs, two of them to Super Bowls. So, I mean, that's, that's no wonder he's a Hall of Fame coach. No question about but, it. Learn, I, I love to watch. I mean, I, I knew what he tried to do. I love to, I love to watch him and how he interacted with players and, and, and worked with you know, to, to get the most out of him. I mean, I, I learned just by watching from him and, and how to how to motivate people. He was he was a master, masterful at it. Now, I coach at a minor league level, and one thing I always learned uh, coming up through coaching was one size doesn't fit all. And like you say, one guy you might kick in the butt, that's how they get going. The other guy, you scream at him, he might run the other way. I mean, you have to learn your, your people. And from a psychology standpoint, you have to really uh, be a Dr. Phil in sense. You have to know each person's strengths and weaknesses. And certain guys, you just can't get on because they'll go in a hole and maybe take it the wrong way. So I thought he was well, masterful. Well, not Bill. Not, you know, wait a minute. You, I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But Bill said he didn't want any of those guys. So he was going to weed those guys out. Okay. Those guys were not going to be on his team. So those guys he couldn't even make gonna, it, yeah. He was not going to have a guy that when when things got tough, they wilted and went go into a hole. He goes, no, because I'm going to weed you out before you get there. The last thing I want is a guy on the field that when it's pressure, he can't handle the pressure. So he would put that on you with the knowing that it, that was the purpose. I'm weeding out the guys that can't handle the pressure. I don't want those guys. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit there and, and pamper a guy and then get him on the field and let him wilt and then go, oh, that's okay, son. He goes, no. He goes, no. I'm going to have a guy that's going to go out there, and I'll know before he gets out there if he's going to wilt or not. I'll, I'll put him through such rigors that on the field he's going to think that these things are, things are easy. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much did that. I mean, the results, as you say, speak for themselves. He didn't seem to me like that warm and fuzzy guy. Like I say, I think probably behind closed doors more so that he'd open up probably to yeah, you no, guys. Yeah, no, he would never let people see that soft side of him, not right. publicly. And I think, and look at Tom Coughlin and his success, It they say until he opened up and actually became a little more friendly, they went bowling and he showed a little more human side. The relatability, do you think the players of today uh, with the old school ways, you think that still flies today as much as it once did? No. Because it just seems like players today, you get in that type of realm, you kind of lose them right away. No, no, it's, it's a much different game. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying reality is it's coaches are, are can't coach guy like Bill Parcells coached the guys back in the, in the 80s and 90s. It just doesn't work today. The, the players are, they respond differently. They're different kids. And so to think that it, that you can treat them the same way, I think, you know, you don't see any coaches like that today. I mean, you see the Andy Reeds out there. Andy Reeds, a guy that was always kind of, he kind of transcends it. I mean, actually Andy Reed and I were teammates in college. We played on the, wow. and so, I mean, he's a guy that kind of, you know, he's there with the tough and the tough and burly guys. And he's been able to, you know, kind of, but he's always been a guy that's, been more of a fatherly figure, if you will. Give us an Andy Reid story. Well Give us a good Andy Reid story. 
Andy Reid's story. Well, you know, it's interesting because Andy was just this, he was your typical offensive lineman. He was like me. Was, we, we didn't want any attention. I mean, there was, there was just no attention. We, we wound up playing, um, the 1980 was, uh, we played in this, uh, for BYU. It's this uh, iconic game. We played against SMU in the Holiday Bowl last game of the season. And SMU, this is a time when they were, it was the, uh, I think that was the word they said, how they said the phrase, oh, it, it was the, uh, best team that money could buy at the time. Harry Dickerson and Craig James, and they had nine of their defensive starters going and starting the NFL. Uh, so it was just, you know, we were playing this really, it was, it was a men against boys type game. And we go out there, Jim McMahon was our quarterback. Andy Reid was the right tackle. I was the center and, um, actually Andy Reid's the left tackle, but we wound up there and late in the fourth quarter, we're down 45 to 24 and, and feeling good that we're still that close. <laughs> and because, cause they had kind of taken the starters out midway through the second, third quarter and kind of been cruising, um, we came back and made some plays and wound up winning the game 46 to 45. And it was just one of those crazy moments, you know, in history that you just, the comeback that, you know, all, everything just pulls together exactly right. And, you know, I just remember that as offensive line, we just, we just kept battling. And that's what we did. I remember that game in the holiday bowl, always high scoring. It seemed, uh, I can't think of two more polar opposites. It seemed like during your giant career, you were just that workmanlike guy that showed up and got it done, didn't have to brag, do a lot of talking. Now you're a college Jim McMahon. I have to hear a McMahon story because you guys probably got along greatly, I, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, total opposites in terms of being flamboyant. Uh, talk about Jim McMahon and uh, your impact there at BYU. Again, just one of these guys that I had total respect for. And you just – as a lineman, my job is, is to protect that guy. And so there's nothing I want to do more than protect that guy. No one I, cause I knew that he would do whatever it took to make the team successful. Nothing, nothing was more important than success of the team. And when I saw that, that's a guy that I'll, I'll do whatever I can do. I'll give it a hundred percent. I'll sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed on that football field to help make him successful. Yes. And Jim was that guy, but he yeah, was, I mean, Jimmy was, he was just a tough, tough competitor. It didn't matter. I mean, we, he broke his interest and we played university of Colorado my junior year and he um, got hit and broke his tailbone and just tremendous pain. And, um, but he, he got up there and, ne and never missed a game with it. Wow. And just, a t just as tough a guy. And, not a big physically strong guy, you know, more like a Drew Brees type build, but just tough and mentally and physically as you as you as you would want. When you look back, as we end this segment, we'll come back and we're going to talk about what you're doing with the NFL alumni. Such great things. We'll talk about that when we, after we come back from break. But before we go to break, last question for you: When you look at your three Super Bowl champions, the five-time Pro Bowl, when you look at all of that, what stands out in your career? What is your signature? Uh, your most, uh, I guess, the thing that means the most to you in terms of your entire career? You know, I've thought about that, and obviously given the years have gone by, but I think it's just, for me, it was being able to share it with my family. Um, uh, my wife and Michelle, 38 years, and she was right there supporting me the whole time, and then we had, had boys my, in my last, the last championship with uh, San Francisco, 94, my, my boys were 
12 and 10. So they, they were, had been very much a part of it. And so being able to share it with family and having family part of it and being at the Super Bowl and uh, those were just great moments and uh, just, you know, that, and having that commonality saying, you know, that's, those were really terrific moments for us as a family. I tell you what, we're going to take a time out. You're listening to the great center for the New York Giants, Bart Oates, a three-time Super Bowl champ. When we come back, we're going to talk about him. He's the president of the NFL Alumni Association, and they have got a great mission. You're going to learn all about that and more as the Sports King rolls on Thursday morning. Hi, this is Andre Rising, and you're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, sports fans. It's the Sports King for the Podiatry Center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts, hard casts. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally, and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everybody, coast-to-coast, internationally, wherever you're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. We thank you so much. And as we look out this window, man, is it beautiful out today. Enjoy the weather. I know folks uh, were hunkered down, and uh, it's been uh, miserable, to say the least. And we're going to find out how Bart Oates is dealing with that in just a minute. But we have been joined this morning by uh, Bart Oates, the outstanding former center for the New York football giants. This guy didn't say a lot during his career, but didn't have to. His place spoke volumes, three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time pro bowler. And as we rejoin our discussion with Bart Oates, Bart, uh, of your three Super Bowl championships, when you look down at that uh, series of rings, which one means the most to you and why? That's like asking me which of my three kids I love the most. Um <laughs> So that's not a fair question. Okay. I, you know, the each, each mean, let me, let me answer it this way. Each mean something very special in a different way. I got my, in the, the 86 uh, championship um, was my first one. And I had gone through the USFL now my second year in the NFL. And it was just my first experience. So it was just, just really cool. And then, and then the this next one was a 90 with, Jeff Hostetler is a backup quarterback. Otis Anderson is a backup running back, and and overcoming odds against a team that was supposed to just steamroll us. Um, and then in my last one in '94, I, you know, the Giants had said they'd moved a different direction and said, you know, basically they wanted to find somebody better, younger, and so it's kind of my kind of a, an affirmation that hey, I can still play this game. I can still be a contributor and. And then going to San Francisco and playing with the former teammate Steve Young was just, um, it was really a, a, a dream and just a blessing. It's so fun- they were all wonderful. It's funny you mentioned that about which one of your kids are your favorites. I used to ask my mom, I have four brothers, so I'd say, Mom, privately, 
hey, uh, I am your favorite, right? And she would always wink and say, absolutely, you're, you're my favorite. But the problem was when the others asked, she'd always say the same thing. So it was kind of... I got the same thing. She I kind of it, sold yeah. us out a little bit there. But hey, let me ask you this. Um, in terms of the players out there, and you've got guys like uh, OBJ, you've got uh, Antonio Brown. There are certain guys that are uh, mercurial and certain guys that are flamboyant. And I know back with the Giants, you had Bavaro and different guys here, but how do you deal? And uh, it's got to be so hard to deal with guys that uh, I admire as a coach. I admire players that want the ball more than anything. Don't get me wrong. And I know as a teammate, you probably do as well. But I think my problem comes when I've grown up with guys like Art Monk, who never said a word, just let his play speak for himself, just like you. When you look at guys that are me first, kind of in some ways, does it kind of rub you the wrong way? How do you look at that? And I know from a teammate standpoint, you didn't have to deal with that as much. But uh, your thoughts on the players of today, they're kind of more at times, it seems more about me than it is about the team. Well, uh, well. First, before I answer that, I want to do a shout out for some some really good friends. Um, I've got um, Rod Young, um, a couple of friends, really good close family friends that live in Richmond. Rod Young um, and the uh, Glade Knight and his family. Actually, my niece married into the Knight family, and so they're very uh, prominent people and uh, entrenched in Richmond. I just want to give a shout out to to those my family friends. Um, and also Kenlock with Rod, a good friend of mine. They, we, he invites me to Kenlock, so whenever I have a chance, I, I get down there. And, Wait a minute, and play that, a, that's the golf course down here. I've heard so much about. So, so Bart, that means you have to take care of us when you come down. We got to get on Kenlock with you. Now we well, have, a, you know, we have an in now. We'll get, we'll get Rod and Rod. You know, we'll we'll get that invite. So you know, there you go. that's uh, that's one of the special places. Hey, um, you know, to answer your question, Jamie, I, I would. You know, I, I'm, I hesitate to judge the current guys based on, yeah, is it different than when I played? But that's when I played. I mean, we didn't have the social media. We didn't have the experiences that, they, that they've gone through. And, and yet it does, in some respects, it, it's different. And the guys today and the attention that they call upon themselves and, and um, would not have been accepted in, in you know, the 80s and early 90s. But it's changed. It's changed in 20, 25 years. Um, you know, there's the, there's the whole, the social, you know, our social way of, of uh, identifying ourselves and describing ourselves. And, you know, so, and the opportunities. And I take, some of these guys are using it to help tee it up for the, their post-playing career lives. I think guys are much smarter today. They approach it in a much more business-like way. And so I don't necessarily see that as bad. I see you know, I, I see the game of football, and, and has it changed? Yeah, it's changed. They've tried to make it safer. They try to make it smarter. They try to make it more exciting and, and competitive. Um, and I think, you know, listen, I think by vir- virtue of the fans that watch it and, the, and sponsors that support it, that they're being successful at it. So, um, yeah, it's different, but I'm not saying that, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm going to say that's just the way it is today. It and diff- there's a lot of guys. It'd be fun to see Bill Parcells and, and Beckham together. That'd be kind of fun to watch. You know, here, here's, what I, here's what I do know is Parcells is a smart enough guy that he would be able to adjust to today's players. He'd still be able to motiv- motivate today's players. I agree. I agree. Let me ask you this. You never made a splash. Uh, you were a guy that just was workmanlike. How did you survive in the New York media in that culture without, uh, you know, uh, you know, being uh, – 
front and center and making any big splashes. How did you, uh, from a mindset standpoint, how did you approach it? <laughs> well, that's probably how. Is I, nobody wanted to talk to an offensive lineman. Um, you know, listen, as a lineman, listen, you, you kind of uh, you grow up saying, I don't, you know, publicity is not good. Being, being recognized is not good because during a football game, there's only one reason that a football player is going to get recognized unless, unless John Madden was covered. And that was when they got called for a penalty. Right. right? And then they would, and then they would kind of do, a, and that's when the only time you get a close up on that player, offensive lineman, Bardock got called sick number 65, got called for a, a holding call. Well, that I got it. And then I got a close up shot and guess what? You, you don't want close up shots then. You don't want that attention. And so, um, but you know, as far as the New York media, they were very astute. They were very, uh, I found that just being, uh, if you're a guy that was willing to spend time with them, willing to, to give them the respect, and uh, they had a job to do. They needed some, you know, they needed guys to. And so as I got a little bit older and got, you know, was more uh, of a veteran guy that had been there for a while, um, I became one of those guys that, you know, had a relationship with, with the media guys. And so, um, you know, whether it was a print or whether it was radio, whether it was TV, and said, give them the time that they need. And that was, I just considered that part of my, my um, of being uh, one of the requirements, if you will, and expectations of, of being a player for the New York Giants and representing the team well. I do remember a story that early on I was we played the Dallas Cowboys and it was um, '85, my first year, and I had I was also the long snapper, um, which I'd never I'd never done that before. I wasn't very good, but I was the only guy that did it. As we, before the day they that they have that position, that's all the guy does is do long snapping. So I do, we, we go down, we're about to win the game with a field goal kick of about 25 yards, uh, like from the 10 yard line. And I, I, uh, have a bad snap kicker misses the kick and we lose the game to the Dallas Cowboys. And, and it was a very painful, like, it was just at a time that we were starting to get really good and competitive and, um, but we, we, we lost the game we shouldn't. And when you only have 16 games, that's, that's, that's pretty tough. Um, after the game, I sit in the, I go to, into the locker room, the kicker grabs his stuff and he, he takes a quick shower and he runs into the, uh, training room and gets dressed where no, no, um, reporters can be. And I sit at my, at my, um, locker and everybody wants to know what's going on. And so 45 minutes to an hour, I sit there and kind of explain that, Hey, I blew it it's on me. I, you know, I made the mistake. I, you know, I didn't execute. I, you know, and, and I, I let my team down and, you know, and that was my, you know, because I did the way I felt I was the one that, and in return, you know, and so the next day in the media, all the newspapers, uh, radio, it was, it was more about what, what a stand up guy that Bart Oates was and being willing to just take that time. And, and then, most of the blame went to the kicker who wouldn't, you know, who took off and didn't want to, re- <laughs> you know, and so I, I actually came out looking pretty good and, there he, you go. and the kicker's the one that looked like he was the, the, the jerk. There you go. Um, and that just taught me a valuable lesson. These guys have a job, just give them that respect. And, um, you know, and you just, and we, it's, you, we coexist very, very nicely. Bardo, how great was he? How, how, uh, much could he be counted on? Well, during his career, he started 125 consecutive games during his illustrious Giants career. Uh, in total, he played 172 games. 
he started 165. That says it all. I remember Mark Mosley told us once, he said he went out in 43 out of 44 times called upon to win games. He did it. And the same with you in terms of your durability. The fact that you could be counted on has to be something you're so proud of in relation to your career. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Mark well, and uh, he's, he's actually the chapter president in the uh, Washington, D.C. area. He's just a, a great guy, and yeah, he was known as he was known as the Giants player. He was he made in critical kicks to to beat us several times. I know that that durability for you though is something uh, if, when people say in terms of all the greatness you had, that probably is the one thing you really hang your hat on in terms of being yeah. counted on. I was just I just I was a guy that just I wanted to be known as the guy that showed up for work, and um, it wasn't just a game; it was practices, and because it was Parcells had a. You had a policy. If you didn't practice, you weren't going to play. So it wasn't like today where guys will take, you know, you just get you on the field, get you ready for the next game. It was, no, my, I want my guys practicing. And so, um, yeah, I, I did, that was a, something I took a lot of pride in, just showing up and, and being able to play. It's been great talking with you. Before we let you go, you're currently the president of the NFL Alumni Association with your missions of caring for our own and caring for kids. Talk about those programs and all the great things you're doing for the NFL Alumni Association. Well, our Caring for Kids program is we have 37 chapters around the country and we have players all over. We have a couple dozen active players, members just in the Richmond area. And ideas in our chapters, they can um, use that brand, the NFL Alumni brand and SHIELD to help support uh, charities that they have uh, a passion for or charities that they want to help support and help make them more successful, bring them more notoriety to their causes and their messages. Uh, and so we, we have a real passion about trying to have an influence have, as, a, as our members and as former players to have a po- positive impact in communities. And, and hence, um, we call it caring for kids, but we also are just as, as passionate about our first responders in the military and being able to support their mission and support them in, in what they, they do. And so that's our caring for kids and, and caring for our own is, is working with the former players and helping them with their post-playing career lives and, and seeing in helping them in whatever way, whether it's uh, helping them complete their education, whether it's and transition into a job career or maybe improving job, health and wellness, um, and in just in fellowship and getting together and camaraderie, um, having a place where guys can get together and still tell a bunch of lies. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Last question before we let you go. How are the Oates family uh, making it through this current uh, situation with the COVID-19, the uh, coronavirus situation? Uh, best advice from you in terms of, uh, I guess, everybody's trying to hunker down and get through it. Uh, what's your approach to the whole situation? You know, I, and I appreciate you asking. I, and my prayers go out to everybody that's affected, and um, hoping that and, and praying that you know we can we can get through this with the least amount of of, of damage and, and loss of, of life. And uh, you know, I just um, prayers are with the leaders of our country and, and other con- other countries around the world that they will make those decisions that will you know allow this to, to be controlled and contained. Um, Ideas. We have a lot of good information. It's self, you know, self isolate and you know do the smart things. And if you can't, then you know don't touch your face, wash your hands, wipe things down, and just be smart. And this time is the you know use this time to me is is I've been contemplating this, but 
um, having grown up in a, in a house of faith, it just uses time to really recognize what's important. What are the priorities in life? And, and being around, you know, family and, and very close friends who are family. And, and those are the, this is the time to really kind of understand what it means to you and, and, and rededicate ourselves to, to those things that are important and, and avoid those things that are divisive and those things that can, can, uh, can prevent those types of relationships. And I think that, um, we, you know, we learn to do that. We, we ha- use this time as a time to, to, to recommit and refocus. Um, I think good will come out of this and we can, as, as good can come out of all bad. And, that, and that's, that's my, my hope and my prayer. He is Bart Oates, one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play the game. He played for the New York Giants, three-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler. Bart has indeed been an honor for me. We thank you. We welcome you back anytime. And thank you for being on the Sports King Show today. Thanks, Jimmy. Have a good day. Bart Oates, one of a kind. Boy, I tell you what, he made a career from a small kid, uh, developed into a superstar at that center position for the Giants. They wouldn't have won without him. You're listening to Sports King. We're going to take a timeout. We'll be right back to close it out after these messages. Hi, this is Andre Collins, former Washington Redskin and Super Bowl champ. You're listening to Jamie King on the Sports King for 106.1. Less is more, right? Well... Not when it comes to dealership benefits. I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We're moving lives forward by extending the warranty on every new car from five years and 60,000 miles to seven years and 100,000 miles. Our mission is to always give our customers more. That's why we have seven Honda Master technicians and offer a free car wash with every service visit. And now we will even bring test drives to you because we know that your busy schedules make it difficult to stop in the dealership. Another thing we're extremely proud of is our commitment to the community. From local hero discounts to childhood cancer programs to sponsoring Boy Scout troops. The people truly make us who we are, and we are proud to give back to the ones that give so much to us. So worry less and smile more. Only at CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com today. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Welcome back. You're listening to a man who is cooler than the other side of the pillow. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back to the Sports King Show, Sports 1061. We want to thank our special guest in hour one, Kristen Mikoff, of course, uh, who wrote the book, A Widow's Guide to Healing. And uh, she did some amazing things for us in hour one to help us deal with the anxiety of the current situation. And uh, as Ben and I keep talking about, the sun will come up tomorrow. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. And just heard some great advice also from the great New York Giants center, Bart Oates, um, who sent me a little message here, Ben. I said, thank you for coming on. He said, you make it easy. You know what that means? He appreciates broadcasting excellence. You need to get on board, my friend. It says I don't appreciate broadcasting excellence. Okay, you just need to tell me more. Kristen said you need to tell uh, me more. Yeah. You need to tell me. I need to hear it from you. Come on, man. Need to show the love. You can't! 
can't handle the truth. Okay, enough of that. Anyway, we're going to go through some quick NFL uh, comings and goings. Of course, uh, right out of the shoot, the Cowboys have tagged quarterback Dak Prescott $33 million. They got their man. The Buccaneers signing Tom Brady two years, $60 million, so TB12 moving down to Florida. The Colts have signed Phillip Rivers one year, $25 million. The Vikings, foolishly, in my opinion, have uh, extended Kirk Cousins to get two more years of not getting to anywhere near the Super Bowl uh, for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, unbelievable there. The Saints re-signed quarterback Drew Brees two years, $50 million. It's going to be interesting to see Brees and uh, – Brady battled it out in that uh, division there. Uh, the Panthers signed quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, three years, $63 million. I was hoping he'd go to Burgundy and Gold. That did not happen. Titans have re-signed quarterback Ryan Tannehill, four years, $118 million. The Bears, Ben, we wanted to talk about this real quick. They've traded the fourth-round pick to the Jaguars. They've got Nick Foles, a guy, if you're a Bears fan, you got to feel good about. Now they can win. Love Nick Foles. have always felt he's been a great quarterback under the right circumstance. I think this is it for him. Trubisky, I don't know if you'll hear from that guy again. Uh, as badly as things went for for both of those guys a year ago, um, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, I mean, Nick Foles has bounced around now so much. Uh, I mean, the Bears, they, I mean, they put together a ton, moved heaven and earth, did they not to get Trubisky? Yes. Um, to move up, what, to two, to, to get him a couple years back. Um, I guess, what, was the 2017 draft? And now... Uh, I don't know if the writing's on the wall or, or what there in Chicago. Um, they're under Matt Nagy, but uh, they bring in Foles, hopefully hoping he can turn things around, uh, stay healthy. Uh, was it, what, week one or two that he broke the collarbone yep. a year ago? Yep. Never really got his feet underneath of him. It, it didn't seem like they're in Jacksonville, so it's a, a reset button move for, for him also. Um, you, know, you have, uh, I mean, Matt Nagy coached Foles in both Philly and Kansas City for what that's worth. Bill Lazor's the OC. Right. Uh, John DeFilippo, who was in Jacksonville, now in Chicago. Um, they've He's overlapped with Foles there during his various stints here and there, too. Bill so, Lazor will be coming on the Sports King in the coming weeks. He couldn't earlier, that. he told me, because they had not announced it in the Chicago media. But right. now they have. I really am high on Bill Lazor. I think he'll do some great things there in Chicago. Also, other news. The Cowboys re-signed Amari Cooper. We know about that. Five years, $100 million. The Bills traded for Stephon Diggs and a seventh-round pick. Uh, the Texans trade uh, the to the Cardinals running back David Johnson, second and fourth round pick. Of course, we know about that big move with DeAndre Hopkins going out to Arizona. The Lions have signed uh, cornerback Desmond Trufant, two years, $21 million. Uh, the Eagles trade for Lions cornerback Darius Slay for third, fourth, and fifth round picks. The Colts have uh, traded first round picks to the 49ers for defensive tackle DeForest Buckner, another big player there. Chargers signed quarterback Chris Harris Jr. for two years, $20 million. Dolphins signed quarterback Byron Jones, five years, eighty two. Point five. Ben, the millions flying around. They send us a little bit of this, huh? Vikings get defensive tackle uh, Michael Pierce, three years, $27 million. Brown signed the guy, wanted it uh, tied in for the skins, Austin Hooper, four years, $44 million. And the rumor is a lot of these receivers, I read an article recently that they're staying away from D.C. because they're unsure about the quarterback situation, and Haskins is not instilling the thought that they'll get a lot of balls because they're just not sure about the guy. Yeah, the way things stand, I guess I can't can't say that I blame them. Everything, everybody seems to be flocking to um, to Tampa Bay. Yes, as far as the uh, Tom Brady situation is concerned, Adam Schefter referenced it as the NFL's version of the LeBron effect. Yes, to a degree, pretty much. This morning, so you know, 
as far as Brady and the Bucks are concerned, it came across just a little while ago on we've got the TV on here in the studio. Uh, apparently, Brady and the Bucks have agreed on a doctor up in New York to perform their physical, okay. be physical for Brady. So that came across a little while ago. Uh, that's what Jeff Darlington from ESPN is reporting. So looks like things are progressing there on that front. Of course, as it's got reference there on the TV right now, the deals can't become official unless right. that takes place. So okay. that's uh, that's where things stand. A lot of, <laughs> lot of action, a lot of comings and goings. Absolutely. we got Browns right tackle Jack Conklin, three years, $42 million, uh, to the Browns. The Giants signed quarterback James Bradbury, three years, $45 million. Raiders signed linebacker Corey Littleton, three years, $36 million. The Jaguars signed li- inside linebacker Joe Schobert, five years, $53.75 million. It goes on and on, folks. Ty, uh, the Titans franchise running back Derek Henry, 12.4. And one more, Ravens trade for defensive end Calais Campbell. He is a guy that uh, I've always liked him as a player. He is 34 years of age, but he can still get it done. Much like Ben and I, we can still get it done. Folks, listen, we're getting one step closer to where we need to be. We're going to get out of this virus situation. We're going to move forward. You're going to hear the crack of the bat, the zoom of the cars. The football's in the air. We're going to get it all done. Tomorrow, Ben won't be here, but I will. And 10 to 12, we can't thank you enough for joining us on Sports King Show. Have a great every a day, everyone, and, and be positive out there. Look out for one another and uh, keep the faith. We will be back. Have a great day. Bye-bye.